Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Glad to have you with me today. The phone number, if you want to be a part of this year program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. I finally got my World Series Championship apparel. They, it showed up last night, so I'm wearing it uh, for the camera. <laughs> Y'all, uh, real quick, uh, for, for those of you who are new here, uh, haven't been, been around for a while, uh, the, the Sword of Damocles uh, continues to, to hold fast. Dionysius was a Greek tyrant, a king, and he had a subject, Damocles, who insisted to Dionysus uh, that uh, Dionysus was a king of kings, was was great, was all powerful, was was a a rich man, and had it easy as a result. And Dionysus told Damocles, "You can sit on the throne for a day. You can be king for a day and see what it's like." And so Damocles came the next morning to sit on the throne, and above him. Dionysus had ordered a sword hung down above the throne, held by the single hair of a horse's tail, by a single hair in a horse's tail. And Damocles, as the day went on, became more and more perturbed and troubled that at any moment that single hair, that single strand of horse hair could snap and impale Damocles. And so he begged Dionysus to please let him off the throne and the king obliged. And it was to demonstrate that, well, as, as Shakespeare said, heavy is the head that wears the crown. Uh, there's always someone out to get you. There's always something. Well, the Erickson household, my household, we have a sword of Damocles that, that hangs over our family. My wife, every three months goes for scans. Uh, in 2016, she was diagnosed with a form of lung cancer. Now, many of you are going to be tempted to email Please don't. It is genetic. Uh, it is not from exposure to radon. It is not, as, as some have speculated, there is no essential oil that will cure it. It's amazing how helpful some people want to be, and, and really, uh, they just make matters worse. Um, God himself might grant us a miracle. Thus far, that has not happened. She has, in the four lobes of her lungs, it's stage four. She has tiny tumors all over her lungs. Uh, too numerous to count, and, and all of them very small, measured in millimeters. And every three months, she must go for scans. She takes a pill every day. It's an oral chemotherapy. And her tumors exist because her body produces a protein on which tumors in her lungs thrive. And this pill keeps that protein from being manufactured. And if the protein is not manufactured, the tumors cannot grow as I understand it. And at some point her body will mutate around the, what the pill does and will again begin producing that protein and the tumors will grow. And the medicine works for two years. She just had her fifth anniversary on it and it is still working. Every three months she goes for scans. Today was that day. And uh, the, the strand of horsehair still holds the sword of Damocles above the family. The, the scans were fine. The medicine still works. Um, it is a perturbing time every, every time. And, and, you know, as the years go on, we, we don't really talk about it, to be honest, with each other. 
but I know myself every, every three months, I grow a little more anxious every time. It becomes a little more distracting every time. But that day is not today. Uh, the scans were good. With metronomic regularity, we'll do it all over again in three months. Uh, I appreciate everyone who has sent a note. I did not mention it on radio yesterday. Honestly, I try not to think about it. Um, it dawned on me later in the day, and I sent out just a, a, a tweet for prayers, and many people responded, and I thank you very much. Um, and we'll do it all over again in three months. So thank you. Now we will move on. Uh, because I, I want to talk about some of the things. Well, I've, I've told you. I, this is one of those... I, I'm never in the I told you so camp. There are times where I told you so, and there are many times where I don't wish to rub it in, but I told you so. We'll get to the data. In Virginia, black and Latino voters participated in focus group panels. I had some insider knowledge on this, to be honest with you, but their insider knowledge and their insider statements, the statements they made to the focus group show why they are leaving the Democratic Party. And to give you some highlights, I don't want to focus on Virginia. I don't want to focus on black voters or Latino voters. I want to focus on a very small story not making national headlines. In Tallahassee, Florida, the Alphabet Gang is marching in the streets carrying rainbow flags and placards and banners that are rainbow-colored with demands written on top of the rainbows demanding the chief of police be fired. The chief of police committed a hate crime against the alphabet gang, the LGBTQIAATPP. They keep adding letters. It's the alphabet gang. And they wish the police chief fired for committing a hate crime against the gay and transgender community. They are marching, literally marching this morning in the streets in protest, marching with banners calling for his ouster, with rainbow flags. And what was his hate crime? He, by the way, is not going to be prosecuted for this hate crime. They would like him fired since he won't be prosecuted for this hate crime. His hate crime was he attended a Billy Graham Evangelistic Association gathering to honor law enforcement. The police chief in Tallahassee, Florida, is a Christian. And he went to a gathering of evangelical law enforcement officers held by the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. And for that hate crime of attending a Billy Graham Evangelistic Association event, the Alphabet Gang is demanding he be fired. I wish I was making this up. I am not. It is not an exaggeration. This is what's happening in Tallahassee, Florida. Separately, on the northern part of the country, at the Art Institute of Chicago, 122 active docents, 82 of whom are volunteers, are being fired. A docent is a guide in a museum. And at the Art Institute of Chicago, 122 of them are being fired. 40, let's see, uh, 82 were volunteer educators. The remaining 40 were employed as unpaid greeters. So I'm sorry, uh, none of them were paid. 
They were all volunteers. I misread that. They are all being fired. 122 of them. Now they were, why why are you firing volunteers? Some of them, you should know, have been on staff there for decades. Why are they being dismissed and told they cannot participate? Because in the in the words of the um, Veronica Stein, the Women's Board Executive Director of Learning and Public Engagement, quote, the museum aims to build a responsive, sustainable, and inclusive program that integrates the goals outlined in our strategic plan to honor and embrace our civic role by investing in Chicago area learners, educators, and creatives, and to reinvigorate in-gallery learning programs to promote accessibility equitable teaching approaches, and greater inclusion of visitor cultures. In other words, they are too white. That's right. Not making this up either. The 122 volunteers are being told to pack it up and go away because they are white. This is from Quillette. The brutal meaning in plain English was that the existing tour guides, some of whom had worked at the museum for decades, were too white and too affluent to deserve current employment. Staff, Stein enthused, will design models for educator recruitment, training, and assessment, identifying and dismantling barriers that have historically limited participation. The on outgoing employees would therefore be replaced by a smaller but more diverse staff of professionals who would be paid $25 an hour. All current volunteer educators, Stein wrote, adding insult to injury as she ushered them out, are invited to apply for the paid museum educator positions and would be provided with complimentary membership through 2023, as well as exclusive access to two annual lectures presented at the museum. They are firing the volunteers because they're too white and rich and hiring a smaller number at $25 an hour to be more diverse. Then there's this in schoolyards across the country. Parents are concerned with what their children are being taught or not taught in schools. And they have been made to be the victims or or the, the bad guys rather. The progressive educators, education associations, teachers unions, and school boards in large parts of the country have decided the parents are domestic terrorists for daring to show up angrily at school board meetings and tell the schools how they should teach their kids. Many of the parents said to be in lockdown with their kids for a year, saw what their kids were actually not learning, and were appalled by the curriculum and have decided to voice their opinions. And Terry McCullough, for example, in Virginia said, shut up, go away, it's not your place. And the parents revolted, and he did not get elected. People are tired of this. It is the elite versus everyone else. They drip with disdain for anyone who dares to exercise an opinion that they believe is uninformed, ill-advised, or bigoted. And people, therefore, are putting cultural issues over their pocketbook issues. This gets me back to Virginia and the focus groups. A Democratic group held a series of focus groups. They were not large focus groups, 
But they were focus groups of people who voted for Democratic Governor Ralph Northam, Democratic President Joe Biden, and then Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin. And the Democrats found a number of black and Hispanic voters who had done so. In the suburbs, no less. And they were shocked at the results. It turns out the parents are tired of being treated like the bad guys. And they are really hacked off with their kids' schooling. They are really, the middle class, black and Latino voters are really tired of the expansive government social welfare programs and socialism that the Democrats are advocating. They are furious. And now here's the ironic twist. Most of these people, despite their concerns about socialism, despite their concerns about an expansive social safety net, despite their concerns about education, like the Democratic policies as presented at the focus group, like the Democratic policies better than the Republican policies. They like the Democratic pocketbook issues. They like the wealthy paid more in taxes. They like more government spending on infrastructure. They like a government social safety net that takes care of senior citizens and healthcare and the poor. They liked more government spending on education. They liked all those things the Democrats offered, and yet they hate the Democrats themselves. They voted Republican for culture, not pocketbook issues. They voted Republican, these women did, non-white women did, because they believe the Republicans support their culture and do not hold them in contempt. The Democrats have to be worried about this. They should be worried about this because so many of them drip with disdain for the working class and the non-white college-educated elite. They really don't come across as liking their neighbor very much. And so their neighbors are responding by saying, you know what, we may like your policies better, but we don't like you at all and don't want you to be in power. That's a harder problem to solve than shifting public policy because in large part, it's a heart problem for the Democrats. Their hearts have become hardened toward their fellow man and they drip with contempt for those who are not like them. And those who are not like them like their policies, but have decided they hate the Democrats as much as the Democrats hate them. That's a real hard, hard problem to solve because you have to convince the Democrats you know, these non-white working class people, they're not beneath you. They're your equal. The Democrats are having a hard time seeing that. The way we use the internet, well, it's changed over the last decade. Security tools have mostly stayed the same. Aura provides complete digital security to help protect your online accounts, finances, devices, and so much more in an easy-to-use app. Most credit card companies do a good job of protecting you against fraudulent purchases, but what if a scammer files for unemployment in your name or if your social media account's hacked? Aura's protection goes beyond your credit card. Between your photos, your finances, your devices, your connections, your world's more online than ever. You may have security systems in place for real life, but what about your online life? Aura can sound the alarm if your digital presence is at risk. They provide digital security protection. They keep your online finances, your personal information, and your technology safe from online threats. It's all-in-one protection for identity theft, financial fraud, malware, scam sites, so much more. With Aura, you'll get notified for, to fraud and threats fast. 
If your online accounts, your passwords are leaked online, someone, you're, you're going to be told by Aura. Like a lot of people, they won't tell you. Aura is easy to set up. All plans come with a million dollars in identity theft insurance to help recover stolen funds and experience U.S.-based customer support that's got your back. For a limited time, Aura is offering you guys 40% off plans when you visit Aura.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. You go to Aura.com slash Eric, again, E-R-I-C-K, you get complete protection, you get savings of up to 40%. That's Aura.com slash Eric, A-U-R-A.com slash E-R-I-C-K. Hello, welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. I want to, just for a moment... I want to answer a question I've gotten from several people in email, and this one's personal. And this happens uh, when I when I mention my wife's scans for cancer, and they're all of the same variety. And I don't wish to engage each one individually. I had a bad experience the other day with an atheist who decided he was debating me when I was just trying in good faith to answer a question of his. Uh, I couldn't help but immediately jumped to belittling. Man, the guy was angry with God. Um, not my fault, but um, I, I try not to engage with angry atheists in email because um, it, it's not very helpful to them or to me or or to anything. But several people emailing. Uh, how can I believe in a God that would give my wife an incurable form of lung cancer? How can I not? That's my answer. It seems cruel to them. Why would God be cruel? Uh, this is why I think a lot of religion is bunk, but I accept uh, the Christian faith is real because I find that it is the only only worldview that has all the answers for the things in the world. And we're going to spend a little more time on that later in the show. But I'll tell you this. The God of all creation loved us so much that he was born in a manger was suffered, brutally tortured, beaten to within an inch of his life, nailed to a cross, and died, was buried in a tomb, and three days later rose again. He loved us so much that he lived his life with us in a way that we live so that he could walk with us and we could know that we don't get any escape from this fallen world and he chose not to escape either. We have to struggle through this world, and he struggled to and understands our struggle, and he conquered death that we might have eternal life. And yes, I put faith in that. Uh, it's not an evidence-free faith. There were plenty of eyewitnesses who documented it, uh, and I take great comfort in that. And if you can't understand that, I'm sorry, uh, but that's that's why. I believe this is real, I believe it is true, and I believe that we don't get to escape the world, and he chose not to escape it either. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson. Delighted to have you with me. The phone number, if you would like to be a part of this year program, is 877-973-7425. We must move on to other things. As I suddenly remember that I have a call screening program I'm supposed to log into to see if we have any phone calls. But, uh, yes. Okay. We'll get to calls here in a minute. Um, I, there's another story out there that I would like to note, 
and I meant to talk about this yesterday. I'm glad I waited because the, the dynamics have changed a little bit out there. Beto. Beto O'Rourke. Bet no on Beto. He's going to run for governor of the state of Texas. I'm not sure, but I'm, I think we're really, 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 really close to calling Betno a perennial candidate. He has ran for Congress. You know, here's, by the way, as an aside, uh, why do the Democrats keep writing hagiography for a guy who beat a Hispanic Democrat? At a time the Democrats are losing Hispanic voters in South Texas, why are, do you guys keep fawning over this guy who came to office by beating a Hispanic Democrat in a primary? I have no idea. But he, he did that. He ran for Congress, and then he decided to run for the Senate against Ted Cruz, and he actually barely lost, only by a couple percentage points. Now, that had more to do with uh, Ted than it had to do with the dynamics. And But it was so close. You're like, oh, we're going to win, we're going to win, we're going to win in 2020. Texas is going to flip. It flipped back pretty hard for the GOP. The Democrats had 10 targets in Texas in 2020, and they all lost. And now redistricting is coming. It's going to make it even harder for them. And then Beto ran for president, and that was pathetic. And now he wants to run for governor of Texas again. Y'all, listen, don't believe your own press. Don't believe your own press. And Beto O'Rourke has believed his own press to his detriment. The media loved him. In fact, one of the reasons the media is treating Stacey Abrams as they are treating her now is because they spent so much time on white dude Beto O'Rourke running against Hispanic guy Ted Cruz in Texas, they ignored black woman in Georgia running for governor and black man in Florida running for governor, Andrew Gillum. The media at large feels horribly guilty for having obsessed about a white dude who's not viable over a black woman who they think was viable. That explains the media's obsession with Stacey Abrams. It is white guilt by members of the press who obsessed over Beto. Beto, of course, is the gift that keeps on giving for Republicans. Uh, Beto has come out, uh, you will note, he wants us to be less partisan and less divisive. That's what he said in, in his announcement less partisan, less divisive, do things for the greater good. Beto O'Rourke is on record wanting to tax churches that do not conduct gay weddings. Yes, he wants churches to lose their tax-exempt status unless they're on his side in the culture war. He also, even yesterday, defended an assault rifle gun buyback program. I realize... A lot of people don't know this, but the AR in AR-15 does not stand for assault rifle. It stands for Armalite. And when Democrats talk about assault rifles, they're talking about the AR-15, a very commonly owned gun in this country. Handguns cause more deaths every year in gun violence than the AR-15, but Democrats want to go after the AR-15 because they think the AR stands for assault rifle, and uh, they think that they're like the, the brutal, brutal weapon uh, that terrorists use. Not really, but they don't know because they're pretty ignorant. Like the prosecutor in the Kyle Rittenhouse case who decided to point the gun at the crowd in the court and put his finger on the trigger. 
which you do not do. Kyle Rittenhouse did not do that. The pictures of Kyle Rittenhouse that night in Kenosha, Wisconsin, he was holding the gun pointed down with his finger off the trigger. He had more gun responsibility than the prosecutor did in the case against him. But Democrats don't have this basic understanding. And Beto O'Rourke is running for governor of Texas on a platform of a mandatory buyback of assault rifles, meaning AR-15s, in Texas, a state that it turns out did not swing blue the way the Democrats expected it to in 2020. Good luck with that, Beto. The guy is tone deaf. And I feel bad for his family. Uh, Now, listen, I realize in Texas, to get unemployment benefits, you must be gainfully seeking employment. So I understand why he's running for office. But it seems like uh, the entire time he's been running away from his wife and kids. But O'Rourke has some sort of Peter Pan syndrome, it seems. And he's always on the road, campaigning, doing something, avoiding his family. I just feel bad for his family. Uh, it's one reason I, I've got several friends in politics with small kids, and they say it's it's tough, it's rough. And I, I don't know. I'm just judging him by his Vanity Fair profiles and everything else that he submits himself to, and it seems like he's got some issues there. And they're not going to be solved by getting elected to office. I just, I, I don't understand it. I, I don't understand the obsession with guns. I don't understand any of it. And, you know, the Democrats nationwide are falling flat on this issue. So... Polling came out. ABC, the Washington Post, a lot of news networks are trumpeting this polling that shows two-thirds of Americans want the Supreme Court to uphold Roe versus Wade. And they're opposed to the Texas abortion law. Do you know the Democrats tried, tried to make abortion an issue in Virginia? tried and by 10 points according to not the opinion polling but the exit polling by 10 points voters who said abortion was their core issue voted for glenn youngkin and voted republican while the democratic party lives in a pro-kid killing bubble americans at large really don't unless they're pro-life there are some hardcore abortion activists who wear comfortable shoes and they are all about killing kids but most Americans, it's not really their issue. That They may like the idea of being pro-choice, but here's the thing. So the Supreme Court is considering the, the Dobbs versus whatever Mississippi healthcare, I forget the exact name of the case, the Dobbs case, on whether or not to overrule Roe versus Wade. Not just uh, Mississippi has some abortion regulations they want the Supreme Court to uphold, but Mississippi is arguing the court should go further and not just uphold these regulations, but also get rid of Roe altogether. I have a hard time believing the Supreme Court will take that initial step. I think they may uphold the Mississippi regulations and then go the next step in another case and and overturn Roe. We'll see if John Roberts really pulls the trigger. You know, his wife is a pro-life activist. Uh Ah, did you know that? But the media wants to trumpet the polling that Americans really are at heart pro-abortion. Problem here is it doesn't galvanize people. And do you know what happens if Roe versus Wade is thrown out? Do you have any idea? becomes a matter for the states. If anything, the abortion movement should want Roe versus Wade thrown out because a lot of Republicans who claim to be pro-life will suddenly be exposed when they refuse to ban abortion in their states. All it does is go back. In California, you'll still be able to kill a kid if you want. Nothing will really change for anyone. The left knows this, but they can't fundraise off of that.
That's why so much hysteria on abortion is out there because it's a fundraising mechanism, particularly on the left these days. The pro-life movement has real cause to wish to end abortion. If abortion at the federal level went away tomorrow, though, what really truly would happen? Absolutely nothing. This is before the Supreme Court right now with this Mississippi case. And people don't seem to realize that literally nothing is going to happen if the Supreme Court overturns Roe versus Wade. It just goes back to the states. That's it. California, Connecticut, New York have already passed constitutional amendments that essentially say if Roe is over, ever, ever overturned, then abortion on demand will be completely legal up until the moment the child leaves the hospital, basically. I mean, mom has a change of heart as they're wheeling her out to the car. Ah, kill it. They'll be they'll be okay. The the left will I mean this is Nancy Pelosi's position. Y'all think I'm making this up? Nancy Pelosi, Barbara Boxer, the former senator from California, they were asked about this. That abortion should be legal until the moment you leave the hospital. That's what Barbara Boxer said, and Nancy Pelosi was asked and agreed with her. Until the moment you leave the hospital, abortion should be legal. These people would sacrifice more kids to Moloch if they could. Now I I you should know I was told long ago, don't talk about this issue on the radio. Because there are a lot of people who listen to conservative talk radio who at heart, philosophically, are not pro-life. They may think they are until you start talking about it, and then you get the hate mail. And in fact, I was told one time when I was filling in for Rush Limbaugh, don't talk about this issue. Rush does not talk about this issue unless it's in the news. Well, guess what? It's in the news, so I get to talk about it. Those are Rush's rules. <laughs> the left is going to lose their mind, but no one else is. And that's something I, I, I really don't think people appreciate and all the talk about the polls and the poll of polls and everything else out there most americans claim to be pro-life or pro, but most americans support pro-choice pro-abortion policies but most americans don't really care about the issue the people who care are on the left and the people who care the most are on the right and when it comes time for voters to go vote, whenever a poll is conducted, who did you vote for? If you care about this issue, overwhelmingly the voters say they voted for the Republican. They voted for the conservative. And I don't think it's going to change. The thing that will change is, and I'm, I'm being really, really, really serious here. The greatest thing that could happen for the pro-abortion movement is also the greatest thing that would happen for the pro-life movement. That is, the Supreme Court throws out Roe. It's no longer a federal issue. It's a state-level issue. The reason it would ultimately be good for the pro-abortion movement, it'd be good for the pro-life movement because they finally get what they've wanted. For years and years and years and years, they've gone about trying to get rid of Roe. So they succeed at the Supreme Court. But then what happens? A whole lot of Republican politicians have for years said they love Jesus and they love babies. And they are pro-life. And they have passed initiatives like fetal heartbeat bans, knowing it doesn't matter because the Supreme Court is going to say, you can't do this. And they've been right. The moment Roe goes away, that's going to go away. And suddenly a whole lot of supposedly pro-life politicians will be exposed as not being the pro-lifers they claim to be. When suddenly they have to pass pro-life measures that they know the Supreme Court won't block, a lot of them are going to expose themselves as not really the committed pro-lifers 
they claim to be. They can get away with it now. They won't if Roe goes away, and that would be good for the pro-abortion movement. But you know what? I'll take it, and then I'll defeat these people at the ballot box for lying for so many years about being pro-life. Uh, a lot of people say, oh, well, we need the court to keep Roe. It'll be devastating for conservatives. If they get rid of it, there'll be a voter backlash. You know what? Sometimes doing the right thing risks a voter backlash, and it's still the right thing to do, getting rid of Roe and sending this back to the states. Now, before I get out of here, I want to take this call. I don't want to leave Tim hanging. Tim, welcome to the program. How are you? Hey there. Hey there. Um, I just wanted to ask a quick question, and I'm not sure that I that I have the, the skill to get it out, but I'll try. Um, in your mind, when you are you know going through all the headlines and whatnot, and you see you know 20 or 30 different stories, how do you litmus test or how do you filter um, the 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 worth of a story to determine where you need to fall? on the issue so for example i mean you're just talking about roe um roe is big huge and complex and when when you know most average joe people hear it hear about uh, you know some latest news they probably will will, will glaze over mm-hmm. but how do you in your mind think about how you need to approach that story or any other story i mean it, oh. it could be the all-star story yeah. Um, uh, okay. That's a good. So how do how when I when I encounter a news story, how do I approach the story? How, how do I consider it, digest it, uh, think about relating it to other people, and and coming up with my own position on it? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll and, tell and, you. <laughs> Go ahead. Not not from a, not from a standpoint of not from a standpoint of of you know um, trying to help me think like you, but right. help me help me fish, help me learn how to fish in terms of thinking yes. through these stories. Is, is what I'm okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that, how, how, do, how do I teach you to fish? So, so first of all, I, I, I want you, you to know, Tim, um, that I, I do think I may be in the vast minority in talk radio on this and that I don't want you to think like me. I, I want you to think, and if we arrive at different conclusions, that's fine. Uh, I, I, I hate to do talking points radio. I, I, I have no need in doing uh, telling you what you want to hear. In fact, I got to tell you, I get a ton of hate mail. The hate mail that I get the most of is when I tell people on my side things that I believe to be true that they aren't getting anywhere else and therefore they think I'm wrong. Uh, and I'm telling them what actually is true, but they're they're hearing from other friends, for example, the stolen election nonsense. Uh, they, they think the election was stolen and, and all their friends confirmed their biases and it wasn't really stolen. And I get all sorts of indoor, I'm going to get hate mail before one o'clock PM today. I will have hate mail from people on this issue. Uh, even though I am right, they are wrong and they are deluded and lied to, but they want to be lied to. Now, how does that translate to all the other stories out there? Well, stick around, Tim. I want to talk about this when I come back. This is a great question. How do I shape my, my views on digesting stories? Before I do that, though, I got to tell you about the Eden Pure uh, Gen 40 heater because winter is coming, heating bills are going up, the government is doing nothing to lower the price of power, so you need to take it upon yourself. And I got to tell you, supplies are really limited on the Gen 40, so you need to get your order in. It is a heater cooler, it's a fan, and it's a heater, and it circulates a lot of hot air tremendously efficiently, helps lower power bills. It can heat a thousand square feet pretty efficiently. What you do is you go to EdenPureDeals.com and you click on my name, Eric Erickson. You put the Gen 40 heater in your um, in your cart and check out. You'll see a discount code box and you put an Eric heater, E-R-I-C-K heater, Eric heater. Now, 
Why do you want to do this? Well, it's not just a heater. It's also a fan. You can use it in the summer as well to circulate cool air. You can circulate hot air in the wintertime. It's efficient. Again, it'll help you with power bills. Go to EdenPureDeals.com at checkout. You put in the discount code Eric Heater, E-R-I-C-K, and the word heater, no space. Welcome back. The phone number here is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. I get asked the, the question that Tim called and asked about all the time. How, how do I read, mark, learn, inwardly digest the news, process it, and consume it? Uh, not to tell other people what to think, but how to think for myself. Uh, first of all, uh, principle does matter. When I approach anything in life, uh, governing principles matter greatly. Um, It's how I process the news. I am above all else a Christian, and that increasingly puts me in conflict with even my own political tribe these days, uh, the behavioral issues in particular, with how people treat each other and and treat the issues around them, viewing others as their enemy and, and the like. Uh, and then how do I process news stories? Well, I try to read a whole bunch of news stories or, or the same story from a bunch of different outlets. Uh, the mainstream traditional outlets that I believe leans to the left, progressive outlets taking the same story and conservative outlets on the story. I, I read and then I read more and I read a whole lot more about all the stories that I want to talk to you guys about. I, I have a massive stack of stuff. And then I believe my job should be not to tell you what I think, what my opinion is, but to as accurately analyze the story for you as possible. Something you learn in law school is you got to be able to explain both sides. And I try, I'll tell you what I think, but I want to explain both sides to you. And I think that anyone who truly wants to understand a news story out there, particularly in politics and public policy, you got to be able to understand both sides and articulate both sides fairly, accurately, and honestly. And then make up your mind based on your principles, what you think. And I try to at least provide both sides to you here. And I oftentimes get accused by my own side of being a squish on something because I'm telling you what the other side thinks and how they see it so that you can make up your own mind. I do not want to think for you. And I know a lot of people are all talking points. I don't do talking points. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. I can offer you a fantastic solution. If you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business, First Liberty Building and Loan. Let's say you want to buy a new building or you want to refi existing debt or you want to buy a company. Basically, you see opportunity for your business to grow, but you've hit a wall with the mega banks getting financing. That's where First Liberty Building and Loan and my friends, the Frost family, come in. They solve small business financing problems better than anyone I've ever seen. They say yes, where big banks say no. It's that simple. Look, just do this. Spend 10 minutes with them. Call them, First Liberty Building and Loan, say Eric sent you. In 10 minutes, you'll know if you're a good fit for their program. Go to firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. They help small businesses nationwide in all 50 states. Firstlibertyga.com. 